السلام عليكم ورحمة الله وبركاته Someone, if you make a mic check, please. Uh, just make sure the audio is okay, inshallah, then we'll start. بسم الله الرحمن الرحيم الحمد لله رب العالمين والعاقبة للمتقين ولا عدوان إلا على الظالمين وأشهد أن لا إله إلا الله وحده لا شريك له إله الأولين والآخرين وأشهد أن نبينا محمد عبده ورسوله المصطفى الأمين اللهم صل وسلم وبارك على عبدك ورسولك محمد وعلى آله وصحبه أجمعين ما بعد so welcome to another lesson of the Quranic progression إن شاء الله تعالى today we continue with the tafsir of Surah At-Tariq. Last week we covered two verses from the Surah, verses 7 and 8. And in verse number 7, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says concerning the fluid from which a person is created that Allah Azza speaks about in the previous verses to verse 7, uh, verses 5 and 6. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala speaks about how the origin of a, of a person's creation is from a fluid that is ejected. Allah Azza then says that that fluid emerges from as-sulbi wa taraib, from between the backbone and the breastbone. And we said that there were two issues that the scholars of tafsir speak about in verse number seven. The first of them is the meaning of the word at-taraib, and the second one is who is being referred to when it comes to these two parts of the body. Is it referring to both the male and the female, or is it just referring to the male? So as for the first issue, we said that the position of many of the scholars of, of tafsir was that the word taraib refers to the breastbone. Uh, and then they had, you know, the scholars of tafsir have a number of different uh, ways in which they mention that, for example, the place where a woman's necklace goes or just below the collarbone. Uh, they have like a number of wordings that they use concerning this, a number of statements of, uh, of the scholars of tafsir. So that's the first position. Other positions amongst the scholars of tafsir concerning the meaning of the word taraib, as we said, was that it refers to uh, the area between the shoulder blades and the chest, which is again very similar. Uh, others said that it refers to the extremities, it refers to the hands and the feet and the eyes. That's also a position amongst the scholars of tafsir that we mentioned. And there were others as well, such as, for example, coming from the uh, depths of the heart and from the rib cage and so on and so forth. And we said that the position of the majority of the scholars is that the word taraib refers to the breastbone or refers to the area of the body that the scholars of tafsir in their various wordings and in their various ways mentioned. Uh, but all of them essentially are speaking about the same part of the body. Uh, as for the second issue as to who it's referring to, then the position of the majority, as we said, was that Allah is referring to the backbone of the man, the breastbone of the woman. That was the position that was chosen by a number of the scholars of tafsir, not least of whom was uh, Imam al-Tabari, rahimahullah ta'ala, that is referring to both the male and the female. And that is because they said that as we know, a child needs the fluids of both male and female. He needs both the male and female to come together in order for the child to be born. Uh, other scholars said no, 
Allah Azza wa Jalla is referring to only the male. And because Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala speaks about from the beginning of this surah or from these verses 5 onwards, Allah Azza wa Jalla is referring to the male and the fluid that is ejected from him. And so Allah Azza wa Jalla again here when he speaks about these two parts of the body, these two bones from which that emerges from, is referring only to the male. And this was the position also of some of the scholars of tafsir from amongst them was Ibn al-Qayyim rahimahullah ta'ala. And as we mentioned last week, was a position that was chosen by Shaykh Ibn Uthaymeen rahimahullah ta'ala also in his tafsir. Allah Azza wa Jal then in verse number 8 he says innahu ala raj'ihi laqadir indeed Allah is certainly able to bring him back to life and we mentioned the position of the scholars of tafsir concerning what this pronoun refers to. We can bring it back to life. What is it referring to? Some of them said uh, or, or we can return it to its place. Uh, some of the scholars said that it refers to the fluid itself that Allah Azza wa Jal can withhold it, or that if Allah wished and willed, it could be returned to its place of origin. That's one position amongst the scholars of tafsir. And the other position amongst the scholars of tafsir, as we mentioned last week, was that it's referring to the issue of resurrection, that Allah Azza wa can resurrect him after his death, that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala can take a person back to life after they have passed away, just as he extracted them from nothing in the first place into life. And we said that that was the position that was chosen by a number of the scholars of tafsir. For example, from amongst them, Ibn al-Qayyim, uh, rahimahullahu ta'ala, and al-Imam al-Tabari before him, and Shaykh Muhammad al-Amin al-Shanqiti, rahimahullah ta'ala, and many others from amongst the scholars of tafsir. So today we continue with, uh, or we continue from verse number 9. And we said last week that this verse is also connected to the previous verses. Uh, because one of the reasons why those scholars who chose the position that the previous verse, verse number 8, that Allah Azza wa can bring it back to life, refers to resurrection, and, and that's the translation that's given, that it can bring them back to life. The reason why that's done is because of verse number 9, and what Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala then goes on to speak about. And that is that Allah Azza wa goes on to speak about the issue of resurrection itself and Yawm Al-Qiyamah. So Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says in verse number 9, Yawma tubla sarair on the day when secrets are laid bare. That's the translation of Professor Bil Harim uh, Muhsin Khan, the day when all secrets, and then in brackets, deeds, prayers, fasting, etc., will be examined. Uh, Sahih International, the day when secrets will be put on trial. And Mufti Taqi, on a day when all the secrets will be searched out. So Allah Azza wa Jal, after mentioning, uh, after mentioning Allah Subh'anaHu Wa Taala's power, and his ability to create and to resurrect. Allah Azza wa Jal then says, يَوْمَ تُبْلَ sarair On the day when secrets are laid bare. The scholars of tafsir then have a discussion as to what it's referring to, these secrets, what's being referred to here. يَوْمَ تُبْلَ sarair The day when secrets are laid bare. No doubt it is speaking about يَوْمُ الْقِيَامَةِ and the day of judgment. But the question here is, what exactly are these secrets that Allah Azza wa Jal is referring to? Uh, and I will mention some of the scholars of, of tafsir and their statements, and then we'll go into this in, in slightly more detail. Ata uh, ibn Abi Rabah, rahimahullah ta'ala, said Ata from the major scholars of Mecca and from the major scholars of the Tabi'een, from the students of the likes of Ibn Abbas, radiyallahu anhum, and from the major scholars of tafsir. Ata rahimahullah ta'ala, he said that what this is referring to, Yawma Tubla Sarair, on the day when secrets are laid bare. He said, It's referring to fasting, prayer, 
and washing from major ritual impurity, the bathing, al-ghusl. These are the secrets. Because a person could say, they could claim, that is fasting, and he is not fasting. And he can claim that he had prayed when he didn't pray. And he could claim that he had bathed whilst he did not bathe. That's the first position. And this is a common position, by the way. You will find in many of the books of Tafsir, they mention this. The statement of Ata'a, that this is what is being referred to when it comes to the word As-Saraya. So what did he mention? Three things. Fasting, prayer, As-Saraya, and bathing from Janaba. Bathing from Janaba. Janaba being the state of major ritual impurity, which takes place either because of a woman being on her monthly cycle or because of intimate relations between spouses. That state of Janaba, as we know, a person isn't then allowed to pray or to uh, touch the Quran or to make tawaf or to do certain things until they have made a ghusl, taken a ghusl. That's the first position. Qatada, rahimahullah ta'ala, he said, Inna hadihi sara'ir muhtabara fasirru khayran wa'alinuhu in istata'atum malakuwata illa billah. Indeed, all of these secrets that you have, they will be laid bare, they will be tested. So, conceal and make public that which is good to the best of your ability and there is no power except by Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. And Sufyan al-Thawri rahimahullah ta'ala says something similar, yawmatum sarair meaning on the days when they will be tested, meaning the secrets that we have. Allah azza wa in this verse, he speaks about the issue of secrets. So, when we know, as we know, we have uh, two parts to every action. There is that which is open and that which is concealed. And then there are actions which are private, which are all concealed. Actions of the heart that are not necessarily visible to others. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala in this verse, he's speaking about, or he's referring to and focusing on those actions that cannot be seen in public, that people cannot know in public. Either because a person does them privately or because the nature of those actions is that they are private. That it's not something which people would usually see or be able to uh, see from you because actions which are public or actions which are known amongst the people that is, then it is well known that they will be tested or it is it is considered or it is likely that people if you were to say for example that there's going to be an accounting there's going to be a judgment there's going to be a resurrection then people would consider it to be the case that what's going to be accounted for what's going to be uh, judged is what is apparent people's actions just like now when people go to court for any particular reason, there's a dispute between two people and they go to court. What they're judging them upon is what is apparent. What did they do, their actions, their statements, what they signed, the contracts that they agreed to. All of those things are apparent in their nature. Allah doesn't focus on that because that's a given. That's what people would expect. That's what you would normally and usually consider to be the case. That that's what Allah is going to be testing you concerning or uh, judging you concerning. Rather, Allah focuses on the aspect that many people don't consider, especially the non-Muslims. But even amongst Muslims, sometimes people forget this particular aspect, and that is that Allah will judge you for that which you conceal. They will judge you for that which you conceal. And what we conceal is often, as we know, more important than that which we make public. Number one, because of the issue of the intention, sincerity, or lack thereof, or the other things that can come and manipulate and and change a person's intention, showing off arrogance, pride, haughtiness, all of these different things that come in, jealousy, envy, hatred, all of these different things that can come and manipulate the intention and corrupt it. 
That's one issue. And secondly, because the heart is the place or what a person conceals is the truth in terms of their belief in what they believe in, what they actually have their belief in in terms of their certainty, because we know that the difference between or the major one of the major differences between the Muslim and the hypocrite is the issue of what is internal, not what is necessarily external, because the hypocrites will profess Islam and outwardly look like Muslims and practice like Muslims in some ways. It is what is internal that Allah causes to differentiate between the Muslim and between, for example, the hypocrite. So there is an issue also of belief, of aqidah, of what it is that you believe in. You believe in Allah, you believe in the Prophet you believe in Yawm Al-Qiyamah, the aspects of Iman. And then there are aspects of ibadah, aspects of, of worship that are also hidden and that are concealed. Like the examples that were given here by the author, rahimahullah ta'ala, sorry, by the scholar of the Tabi'een, Ata' ibn Abi Rabah, rahimahullah ta'ala. So for example, a person claiming to be fasting whilst they're not fasting. Right? And we all know that that's pretty easy to do, that a person in the month of Ramadan, even though people will think and expect that they're fasting, could hide and eat and drink. And they're not really, uh, they're not really fasting, even though they claim to be doing so. Salah is another good example. How often do people claim that they pray, and this is very common, especially amongst young children, when you're trying to train them, discipline them in terms of the salah, and they have shaitan coming to them, or there's laziness involved or whatever, and you wake them up, did you pray fajr? I came to you 10 minutes ago, did you get up and pray? And they're like, yeah, we prayed, we prayed. And you know they didn't pray, and you know that they made a mistake, or that they're just being lazy. And that happens sometimes even with adults. They claim to have prayed, and they didn't pray. Or to be in a state of wudu, and they're not in a state of wudu. And obviously what the, what what, what Allah mentioned is a major version of that, which is the ghusl, because that is obviously clearly you know, a state of major ritual impurity as opposed to just minor ritual impurity. But that's very common even amongst children. However, even amongst adults, sometimes people claim that they prayed and they didn't pray. And so these are this that's another aspect. And so we have aspects of intention, we have aspects of aqidah, we have aspects of worship, and then we have aspects of dealings as well. So dealings in terms of a person making a contract, but in their heart they know that they're going to uh, betray or, or, or breach the contract that they've signed, making a promise and they know that they're going to be breaking that promise, making a vow and they know that they're going to be breaking that vow, whatever it may be, a person enters into something, not in good faith, but within their hearts they're concealing already the fact that they're going to one way, in one way or another, manipulate, change, uh, you know, find a way to, to come out of that contract to, to, to be problematic in the way that they're going to behave. All of these are as sarair. And as we've said before, the Salaf Ali Muhammadullah, what they would do is they would give examples of certain aspects of what they would consider to be applicable in this verse. So this is essentially what Ata Rahimullah Ta'ala has done. Not that all of the sarair are only contained, all of the secrets are only contained in fasting, salah and in, in bathing. No, that's an example of what people do. And that is what you will find amongst many of the scholars of Tafsir that they said that these this verse as sarair, it is general. And it includes all of the aspects that we've just mentioned. So this person who comes on Yawm Al-Qiyamah and stands before Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, especially if they are disbelievers or people of weak iman or hypocrites and so on, they will be shocked that Allah will not only hold them to account for what they did apparently and openly and publicly, but that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala would hold them to account for that which they concealed, that which was hidden, that which was private, that which they thought that no one else knew, no one else was privy to. 
No one else had any idea what they really thought or wanted in their hearts. Allah will make that clear as well in all of these different aspects that we mentioned. And that's why the Sharia, as we know, the text of the Quran and the Sunnah of the Prophet وسلم, they speak a great deal and in great detail concerning the issue of the heart and how important it is to purify the heart, to, to cleanse the heart, to purify the soul, to discipline it, to make sure that a person's external and internal, what is in their heart is the same as that which they show in their, on their limbs and so on. And there are many hadith that speak to that uh, from the sunnah. For example, the statement of the Prophet وسلم, that indeed in the body there is a piece of it or a morsel of flesh. If it is good, the rest of the body becomes good. And if it is corrupted, the rest of the body becomes corrupted. Indeed, it is the heart. Right? That's an aspect of, of, of this uh, particular issue that is being referred to here. Or the, the hadith of the Prophet وسلم, when the Prophet was pointed to his heart and he said, Piety, God consciousness, is here. And these are examples of how the Prophet وسلم, in saying to the companions, Yes, you're praying, yes, you're fasting, yes, you're giving charity and doing other things. But remember that the true place where Allah sees a person's sincerity, uh, the, 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 the manner in which they worship Allah that is something which is found in the heart. And we know that that's the case anyway. So for example, if we were to look at the Salah, we know that a great aspect of the Salah in terms of its benefit and in terms of reaching its full potential is khushur. It comes down to attentiveness, comes down to concentration, comes down to aspects of the heart more than physical aspects. And no doubt the two of them are linked together. The two of them are linked together. So you will often hear, for example, uh, scholars say, because it's a common question, right? How do we gain khushur and salah? How do we get khushur and salah? And you will see often that one of the ways in which it is done, it's not the only way, there are obviously a number of things that you should do, but one of the things that will always be mentioned are the physical aspects before the salah begins. So making a fresh wudu, walking to the masjid, getting to the masjid early, praying those two rak'ahs of tahiyyat al-masjid, sitting down, reading some Qur'an, making some dhikr of Allah Azza wa These are all physical aspects, or if you like public actions, physical acts of worship that you do in order to prepare yourself for the spiritual one. And that is khushur. And khushur then, once you begin the salah and you have it, that enhances the physical aspect of the rest of the salah that you are performing for the sake of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. And so that's something which is therefore extremely important. So the scholars of Islam uh, have always spoken about and gone into detail concerning issues of the heart. There are books that are written on purification of the soul. As we know, many of the scholars of Islam dedicated whole volumes to this topic of purifying the heart, purifying the soul, uh, cleansing yourself into spiritually and so on because of the importance of what it is that that leads to. So here Allah Azza wa is saying on the day that all of this will be exposed, all of these secrets that people had will be laid bare. Al-Imam Al-Tabari rahimahullah ta'ala, he said, it is the day that the secrets of the servants will be tested. So what will become, so they will come become apparent on that day that which people used to hide in the dunya, that which people used to conceal in the dunya, Allah Azza wa will make it apparent on that day. And this is uh, important because this is something which Allah Azza wa does for the disbelievers and it is mentioned as the punishment for some of the sins of people. 
some of the sins that people will perform in this dunya, one of the punishments that is mentioned is that Allah exposes them in front of everyone on Yawm Al-Qiyamah. And for the disbelievers that they will be exposed on the Day of Judgment. So they will suffer public humiliation. Because what they concealed, Allah will make it open on Yawm Al-Qiyamah. And it is also mentioned as the punishment of certain sins. Certain sins, Allah will make them uh, make it uh, make them peop- make them uh, open on Yom Al Qiyamah. That's a good research question. We haven't done one of these in in a while. Uh, if someone can for next week, let me know uh, what are the or give me some examples of sins that the Prophet said Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam that whoever does this on Yom Al Qiyamah they will be exposed. They will be publicly humiliated in front of all of creation on the Day of Judgment. That's a good question to ask. It's a good topic to research. Because you see that there are certain things and you see the sin and you see the punishment. And we speak about not, not punishment in terms of the worldly punishment, but punishment in terms of Allah's punishment in terms of the akhirah and so on. And often you see a link between the type of sin that's been committed and the appropriate punishment that Allah judges for that person. So what are those sins that if a person commits the from the punishments is that they will be publicly exposed and humiliated on in front of all of creation and at the same time then you see the opposite is true that from the greatest um, from the greatest blessings of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala and his greatest favors upon the believers is that he veils them that he veils them and conceals their sins as is mentioned in the hadith of the Prophet وسلم, that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala on the day of judgment will bring a person and he will cover him so that no one else can see or hear what is going on. And Allah will say to this person, do you remember that on such and such a day you committed such and such a sin? And that person will say, yes, O Allah. And then Allah will remind him of another sin. Do you remember on such and such a day that you did such and such a sin? And he will continue to do this over and over again. And Allah, the man will reply, O Allah, did you not say that you would forgive my sins? Meaning, do you not promise that the one who makes tawbah is sincere, Allah, you will forgive them. And Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala will say, I veil them from the people in the world. I conceal these sins from you, in the, from the eyes of the people in the world, and today I will forgive them for you. And so therefore this is something which you see, that the opposite is always also true. That Allah azza wa jal conceals and veils people's, uh, people's sins. And that is why it is considered to be from the major signs of of a person's uh, you know a person's distancing themselves from Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala being removed from Allah's mercy it is from the greatest signs that a person goes and openly sins and doesn't care because the Prophet said sallallahu alayhi wa sallam kullu ummati mu'afa illa al-mujahirun all of my ummah will be forgiven except those who publicly openly sin meaning they go and announce it they publicize it or in our time now it's all over social media it's something which people show and they're, and they're proud to show and they want people to see and so they publicly go and they speak about it and they say this is what I did and do you know what I did and, and they go and openly mention it to people that's something which is considered to be a, an evil sign for a person that Allah Azza wa Jal save us from that because usually a person sins and they're shy, they're embarrassed they're afraid that they will be exposed they're fearful of Allah's punishment and fearful of what people will say if they know that this is a sin that they committed whereas that person goes out doesn't care doesn't, doesn't have any fear of Allah Azza wa Jal, isn't mindful that Allah is watching and hearing and seeing. That is a person who is a very weak man. May Allah Azza wa Jal 
save us from that and may Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala keep us firm upon his religion. So this is something which you which you see that the sunnah therefore says that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala veils those people. And that is why it is something which is considered to be from the etiquette of a Muslim towards another Muslim, that they veil their faults. So long as there is no public need to expose them, there's no public harm. This isn't a person who's oppressing and going to cause more harm if you veil them and so on. No, this is a person who's made a mistake and the mistake and their sin is of a private nature. And this is something which they've done. It's a weakness that they have. So you make sitr of them. In Arabic, it is called sitr. Uh, it is to veil someone. And a sitara or a sitara is a curtain or a veil that is placed. And so the Prophet told us وسلم, that Allah Azza wa Jal will give sitr to the one who gives sitr to his, to one of his brothers or sisters. You see someone, وَمَنْ سَتَرَ مُسْلِمًا سَتَرَهُ اللَّهُ فِي الدُّنْيَا وَالْآخِرَةِ Whosoever veils a Muslim in this world, Allah will veil them in this life and the next, meaning veil them in terms of their sins and so on. Uh, there's a famous uh, poet by the name of Abu Atahiyah. And Abu Atahiyah has uh, verses of poetry in Arabic in which he says that from the great blessings of Allah upon us is that our sins don't have an odor. Because if people could smell the sins from us, it had an odor, so every time you sinned, there was an odor attached to it. And the odor just continues to increase and increase with all the sins that you do. He said if people knew of our odor in terms of our sins, then no one would sit with us. No one would greet us. No one would want to give salams to us. No one would come near us or approach us because of how much we sin and the odor that we have. And from the blessings of Allah Azzawajal, therefore, is that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala veils much of that from the eyes of people. And what Allah Azzawajal veils is often more than what Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala reveals in terms of what a person does in terms of their sins and their misdeeds and so on. And so long as Allah continues to veil and you ask Allah for his sitr, for his veil, and you ask Allah Azzawajal for his forgiveness and pardon, then that is a good sign that inshallah ta'ala a person will be forgiven on Yawm Al-Qiyamah. So here Allah Azzawajal is saying that on Yawm Al-Qiyamah Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala will make open and apparent, Imam Al-Tabari is saying, that Allah Azzawajal is saying in this verse that Allah will make apparent that which people concealed and hid on Yawm Al-Qiyamah. And from that is what Atah Rahimullah Ta'ala said. So the sins that a person does in terms of the obligations that they were meant to perform, or the prohibitions that they were meant to stay away from, and they conceal them from the eyes of the people. So this person was meant to be fasting, he didn't fast. Was meant to have prayed, he didn't pray. Or the opposite, he's meant to stay away from alcohol, but he's engaged in drinking and alcohol. He's meant to stay away from certain haram, but he's engaged them, and no one knows. Because Allah concealed him, that person, Allah Azza will make open his sins on Yawm Al-Qiyamah, because Allah Subh'anaHu Wa Taala will show, in terms of the scale of deeds, in terms of holding him to account and judging him, that thing, those things, those issues will come forth and they will be made clear. Uh, Imam Al-Tabari continues and he says, and these are from the actions that Allah obligated upon a person and made incumbent upon them and told them to perform. Shaykh Muhammad Al-Amin Al-Shanqiti, Rahimahullah Ta'ala, he said that the scholars of tafsir say that what Allah Azza wa Jal is referring to here in terms of the sara'ir, the secrets, is that which Allah Azza wa has placed as an obligation upon his servants. And they gave examples of this then. From the examples that they give is that a person should maintain their purification, their state of tahara for salah, from ghusl of janaba, that they should bathe within a state of major uh, ritual impurity, and that they should preserve their fast. So Imam uh, Shaykh Muhammad al-Amin is saying 
that these are examples that the scholars of the tafsir gave some from the salaf when they said for example it means prayer it means fasting it means bathing this is by uh, by way of example as opposed to making it exclusive only to those particular issues and he said he continues and then he says Sheikh Muhammad Al-Amin continues and says and he said, and also included in this is a person's belief. And whether they had true iman or they were people of hypocrisy, may Allah save us from that. And so this is what we were saying essentially that the secrets refer to everything that Allah Azza wa has allowed a person to conceal. And that a person hides from the eyes of the people, not realizing sometimes that Allah Azza wa is the one who knows it all. And that is why it is from the justice of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala and from his complete and perfect wisdom Jalla fi ula that on yawm al-qiyamah Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala doesn't just measure the issues that people or doesn't just judge people and hold them to account and weigh the actions that people can see but Allah also considers the intention behind it as well that which was concealed and that which was hidden and that's why it should give us a great sense of hope in the mercy of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala and the justice of Allah azza wa jal because we live as we know in a world where not everyone necessarily gets the justice that they deserve either in terms of them being oppressed and therefore they don't get the justice that they need or because they are oppressors and they don't get the justice that they deserve in terms of punishment but Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala conceals all of that Allah knows and Allah azza wa jal will wait for them on yawm al-qiyamah and Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala will give to them their full accounting and so a person who in this dunya was oppressed. You see someone who's oppressed and you see, for example, that they their wealth was taken away, their land or property was taken away, their family was split up from them. Those are the things that are apparent. But what they felt in terms of what came, what went on, in terms of their emotions, what went on in their heart, the grief that they felt, the sorrow that they had, those things cannot be weighed by us. We can't see them. There's no way to quantify them. There's no way for us to understand them because each person is different and their circumstances are different and the way things that affect people are different. But Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala knows. And Allah azza wa will give them their full reward for their patience and so on and give to them their full justice on yawm al-qiyamah. And at the same time, the oppressor, we see the oppression that they commit in terms of what they do openly, but what they concealed in their heart of the hatred that they had and the animosity and the pride and the arrogance and all of those things, those things are also hidden from our eyes. We can't quantify them, we can't see them, we can't measure away them. They are things that are not tangible to us, but on Yawm Al-Qiyamah they become tangible. On Yawm Al-Qiyamah they are weighed, on Yawm Al-Qiyamah they are measured. On Yawm Al-Qiyamah Allah Subh'anaHu Wa Taala will give a full accounting not only for the things that are, that are apparent actions, but also as Allah Subh'anaHu Wa Taala is saying here, for the hidden things that, are, that the people concealed, Allah Azza wa Jal will will also mention them as well. And that's why Shaykh Muhammad al-Amin, he says, As-sara'ir means, كُلُّ مَا يُخْفِيهِ الْإِنسَانِ حَتَّى فِي الْمُعَامَلَاتِ مَعَ النَّاسِ Sara'ir, your secrets, is everything that you conceal, even in the dealings that you have with others. So I make a contract with someone, that's a dealing. It's an apparent dealing, we sign a contract, we have witnesses and so on, and we sign the terms. But what I have in my heart when I sign, that's hidden. That's a secret. You, me, someone else enters into a contract and we have in our heart that we're going to be treacherous. We're going to break that contract. We're not going to live up to our particular uh, position. Those issues are issues that a person therefore needs to be aware of because Allah will hold a person to account for that particular thing as well. Uh, Ibn Kathir, rahimahullah ta'ala, he said, 
that on Yawm Al-Qiyam, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala will bring forth every person's secret, meaning that they will be made apparent, they will, made clear, they will be made clear. That which was considered to be secret will be made public, that which was considered to be hidden will be made famous, made apparent. As is mentioned in the hadith of the Sahihain, meaning in Al-Bukhari and Muslim, under the authority of Ibn Umar radiallahu anhuma, that the Prophet said, sallallahu alayhi wa sallam, يُرْفَعُ لِكُلِّ غَادِرٍ لِيْوَاءٌ عِنْدَ اسْتِهِ يُقَالْ هَذِهِ غَدْرَةُ فُلَانِ بْنِ فُلَانِ On Yawm Al-Qiyamah, the Prophet said, sallallahu alayhi wa sallam, that every person who was treacherous, meaning they committed treason, there will be a banner that is stuck upon their rear. And it will be saying on that banner, this is the treachery of so-and-so, the son of so-and-so. So this person who was treacherous, committed treason, wasn't caught in this dunya, wasn't known. They committed treason, and that's an act of someone doing something apparently, but hiding something in their heart and doing something in secret. On Yawm Al-Qiyamah, Allah Azza wa Jal will make that clear and will make that apparent as the Prophet said, Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam. And that's why he said, this is why Ibn Kathir ta'ala, is giving this particular, uh, you know, particular example. And that's an example of the question that I asked in terms of actions that Allah Azza wa Jal, the punishment of them is that a person will be publicly humiliated on the day of judgment. This is an example. So treachery is one of them. Treason or treachery is one of them. Every person who commits, tre- commits treachery. The question there, then that you can, if you want to go further into this and look into this, is is it just linked to treason, which is the you know, treachery that is performed against a country or a state? Or is it every ghadir, everyone who's treacherous, meaning everyone is treacherous in a contract, in a vow or an oath that they take, in a promise, an agreement that they enter into, all of these people included in this, that's something which is interesting for us to research also. And Imam Ibn Al-Qayyim, rahimahullah ta'ala, he said, the word as-sara'ir, secrets, jam'u sarira. It is the plural of the word sarira. وَهِيَ سَرَائِرُ اللَّهَ الَّتِي بَيْنَهُ وَبَيْنَ عَبْدِهِ فِي ظَاهِرِهِ وَبَاطِنِهِ and it is every secret that a person has between themselves and their Lord. فَالْإِيمَانُ مِنَ السَّرَائِرِ So Iman is from the Sarair, from the secrets, faith. وَشَرَائِعُهُ مِنَ السَّرَائِرِ And Allah's laws are from the secrets. So on the Day of Judgment they will be tested and laid out and made apparent and clear so that it will be known who did what and who stayed away from what. And that is why it is said that Ibn Umar radiallahu anhu used to say uh, that, that, that Ibn Umar radiallahu anhu used to say that Allah Azza wa Jal will have all secrets in his hands on the day of judgment. So for some people it will be a means of excelling and a means of blessing and for other people it will be a means of humiliation and disgrace. How does that work? That for some people it's good and for some people it's evil. Because Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala will see, for example, a person did a good deed, and that good deed may seem small in the eyes of people. But Allah knows what they did in terms of their heart, that this person suffered and they went through difficulty and hardship in order for them to perform that single good deed. Or maybe as the Prophet told us وسلم, that sometimes someone gives a charity, it seems like a paltry amount, a small amount. But in the eyes of Allah, it is great because for that person, uh, relatively speaking, it is a great deal of wealth. That's most of what they could afford. It's all that they had, or it's half of what they owned, or something like this. This is how it is elevated by a person's uh, a person's intention, what they hid and what they have concealed. 
and the opposite also is true as we have mentioned also. He continues and he says, so therefore, uh, what is meant here that Allah tests people's secrets is that Allah will make them apparent and then Allah will reward or punish them accordingly. Uh, he says then, and there is a a, a gentle or a, a, a good or a nice point that is mentioned here by Ibn Qayyim ta'ala. He says that therefore we see from this verse that actions are a result of people's hidden intentions, what people conceal. So whoever's heart is good and righteous, then the actions will be good and righteous. And on Yawm Al-Qiyamah, when those, when those secrets are laid bare, it will all be good and righteous because their heart was good, it was pure, it wanted the pleasure of Allah Azza wa Jal, even if the actions were small. So when that's laid bare, all you will see is good. And so you will see nur, light, and haya, which is uh, shyness, and ishraq, which is illumination and so on. And then he says, and whosoever's secrets are evil, or what they conceal in their heart is evil, then their actions will also be evil. And when that is made apparent on the Day of Judgment, then all you will see upon them is damnation and evil and darkness. So therefore Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala will test people on that day. And Allah will take their secrets and he will make them apparent. And Allah azza will hold people to account on yawmul qiyamah. And that is why Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala then says in verse number 10, فَمَا لَهُ مِنْ قُوَّةٍ وَلَا نَاصِرٍ And on that day he will have no power and no one to help him. That's the translation of Professor uh, Abdul Harim. The translation of Sahih International. Then he will have no power or any helper. Mufti Taqi and he will neither and he will have neither strength to defend nor a supporter. And Muhsin Khan then he will have no power nor any helper. The statement of Qatada rahimahullah ta'ala concerning this verse is min wala nasir, he will have no power, no helper. He says he will have no power in order to withhold anything from himself, in order to ward off anything from himself, nor will he have any helper that will come and help him in front of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. And Ikrima rahimahullah ta'ala, the famous scholar of tafsir also from uh, those who study with the likes of Mujahid and, and he met Ibn Abbas and others, he said the statement of Allah Azza He said this is referring to the kings, who on the day of judgment will have no one to help them, nor will they have any power on that day. And Sufyan al-Thawri, rahimahullah ta'ala, he said al-Quwah, power, is your troops, your people, your manpower that will normally come and help you, and al-Nasir, the helper, is the one who is your friend and the one who would come and stand by you in times of difficulty. So Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is saying that on Yawm al-Qiyamah these people who will come and their secrets will be laid bare and it will be seen the evil that they did, the disobedience that they had, the disbelief that they had and so on and so forth. On Yawm al-Qiyamah you will find no one to come to their help and they will have no power themselves. And that's because as, as some of the scholars will mention, uh, scholars of tafsir will mention that when it comes to um, power or when it comes to help, when it comes to defending yourself, it is done in two ways. Number one is yourself, the power that you have within yourself to ward off harm, to ward off evil, to ward off uh, some type of calamity that may befall you. That's an internal power. And then you have external help and that is your nasir. So quwa is your internal power. That's what you have the ability to do yourself. So someone comes to you and you're stronger than them. You're more powerful than them. You're able to overcome them in a fight and so on. That's quwa. 
and Nasir are those external factors that come and help you. So your friends, your family, your supporters, those people that would come and they want will come to your aid and they will come to your assistance. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala in Yawm Al-Qiyamah for those people that are going to be punished, for the people of disbelief, for the people of the fire, Allah negates both subhanahu wa ta'ala. Allah negates from them quwwah, Allah negates from them nusrah. He negates from them power, meaning themselves they will be weak. They will be feeble. They will have no ability to defend themselves or to stand before Allah and withhold or withstand his punishment. They will not be able to stop any angel of punishment coming and dragging them away or themselves from being thrown into the fire or being punished in any way that Allah deems and sees fit subhanahu wa ta'ala. Nor will anyone else come to their aid. They will have no nusra, no nasir. No one will come, not their family, not their friends, not their supporters. And that is why, as Iqlima said, it's referring to kings because that is the major example of what is being, uh, being mentioned here. Because a king is the one who in this world has a great deal of power in and of themselves, even if it's not physical power, but by power of their command and their word and their decree and their judgment and what they say becomes law and so on. So they have a great deal of power in that sense. And they have a great deal of power in the other sense of Nusra. They have their troops and their armies and their advisors and their peoples and all of that together gives them a great deal of strength and power in the dunya. But on Yawm Al-Qiyamah, that same man who in the dunya was a powerful king will have nothing. Themselves, they will have no power. No one will listen to them. No one will heed them. No one will pay any attention to them. Nor will they have any helper, army, advisor, supporter, anyone coming to their assistance because who on that day will stand before Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala and withstand what Allah has decreed and so therefore the believer is the one who realizes this in the dunya and the disbeliever is the one who doesn't realize this until it is too late on Yawm Al-Qiyamah the believer is the one who knows even in the dunya that despite what people may have and what seems to be apparent and so on there is no true power and no, no true might except that which Allah gives no true power or might except that which is with Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. And so the prophets of Allah and the righteous people and the scholars and so on, they trust only in Allah and they turn only to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala because they know that Allah is the one who gave these materialistic things to those people that have power in the dunya and Allah can take it away from them. And Allah can assist and help a person who is alone seemingly weak and poor and without help Allah can strengthen them and give them power over many that is something which Allah can do if he so pleases subhanahu wa ta'ala so they realize this in the dunya and they spend their life in submission and worship to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala whereas the disbelievers and those people of very weak iman are the ones who often think that it's all about what is tangible materialistic it's all about my power myself, my strength, what I can accumulate, what I can do and they spend their life doing that and even if they attain that in the dunya to some measure or level to some st- distance or standard then on Yawm Al-Qiyamah when they will come فَمَا لَهُ مِنْ قُوَّةٍ وَلَا نَاصِرٍ they will have no power, they will have no one no helper to help them or to assist them when they stand before Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala and Allah Azza mentions this in numerous places in the Quran that even a person's family, the closest people to you, your father, your mother, your spouse, your children, your brother, your sister, these people you will flee from. So what about those people who are further away? Al-Imam al-Tabari, 
he said, Allah says, Allah is saying that there will not be for the disbeliever on the day of judgment any power by which they can prevent the punishment of Allah and the torment of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala reaching them. Nor will they have any helper that will come and stand by their side to assist them, to assist them and to save them from any type of harm that will reach them. Even though this person in the dunya had power in terms of the people and the family and the supporters that they had around them. He would use them in the dunya to, uh, to stop any harm from befalling him. And he had helpers in the dunya that would help him to oppress others. So this person in the dunya had people that would stop people from harming him. He had his armies, he had his people, his helpers, his supporters and so on. They would stop people from harming him. They would help him to oppress others. That's how it was in the dunya. And Imam Tabari is saying, for on Yom Al-Qiyamah, he will have neither. Nothing to stand before Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Whereas the believer, even if they are poor and weak and oppressed in the dunya, they may have no one to stop oppression, no one to help them by their side. On Yom Al-Qiyamah, they will have the honor that Allah Azzawajal will give to them. And they will have the mercy of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala and the grace and bounty of Allah Azzawajal. And that will be more worth to more. Uh, worthwhile to them, more precious and valuable to them on that day than having had it in the dunya for this temporary short period of time. And that is always the way that the believer looks. That's always the mindset of the believer. They always know that even though now in the dunya it may be difficult and, and harm and hard and and, 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 and and difficult, that is a temporary short time, a finite time that they have to be patient and they have to stay the course. Whereas on Yawm Al-Qiyam, Allah will give to them an eternal life of bliss and reward. Whereas they, if they substituted that to get a temporary measure of, of, of some type of relief or enjoyment by, by disobeying Allah, by not worshipping Allah Azza wa Jal, then they would have the permanent life of torment and punishment on Yawm Al-Qiyamah. Al-Imam Ibn Al-Qayyim, Rahimahullah Ta'ala, he said that Allah Azza wa Jal mentions here that a person on the Day of Judgment cannot prevent by any power the punishment of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala will from reaching him. Neither power that he possesses himself, nor power in an external form or in the form of a helper, because if a person falls into difficulty, they either have the power to stop it themselves or to overcome it themselves, or they have people around them that will come to their assistance and help them overcome that difficulty. He says, Rahimahullah ta'ala ibn Qayyim, that this is similar to the statement of Allah Azza wa Jal elsewhere in the Quran. They have no ability to help themselves, nor will there be any escape from us. Al-Imam Ibn Atiyah, he mentioned the statement of one of the earliest scholars and he said that the reason why Allah Azza wa Jal in this verse used the word, or in the previous verse, used the word sara'ir, which is the general word of all secrets, he said that is because a person cannot stop in the dunya any type of harm from coming to them except in two ways. Number one, that they have the power to prevent it themselves. Or number two, they have people around them that can help ward off that evil. Allah Azzawajal said on Yawm Al-Qiyamah, on the day that these secrets will be laid bare, when Allah will judge them and Allah will judge those people who are disbelievers and those people who deserve to go to the fire, Allah will find them wanting when it comes to their levels of iman and good deeds, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is saying that those two things will not exist. They will have neither power in themselves to withhold or withstand the punishment of Allah, 
nor will they have anyone that will come to their aid that will help them overcome the punishment of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. And Allah azza wa knows best. And with that, inshallah ta'ala, we come to the end of today's lesson. And inshallah ta'ala, therefore next week we will go on to verses number 11 and 12 and so on. And that is again a number of oaths that Allah azza wa will take in this surah. So this surah begins with a number of oaths. And now towards the middle of the surah, or just after the halfway point of this surah, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala will again uh, mention a number of oaths. And some of those oaths are repeated. So inshallah, that's something which we will look at next week with Nillahi Ta'ala. If there's any uh, questions, inshallah, we'll take them. Otherwise, we will conclude for today. Any questions? If there's no questions, inshallah, then we will conclude for today. Barakallahu feekum. Wa sallallahu ala nabina Muhammadin wa ala alihi wa sahbihi ajma'in. Wa sallamu alaikum wa rahmatullahi wa barakatuh.